Hey everyone, this is Pastor Stephen. I wanted to thank you for checking out our podcast, and we hope that this message encourages you and helps you in your pursuit to live for Christ with everything you have. We hope you enjoy the message. Isn't that a good song to sing just to get us to the realization that we need Him more than we need anything else? We need Him and every single facet of our lives more than we could ever really rationalize. You may be seated. You guys don't want to stand up behind me. But it's the truth. And our hearts should be always in line with that message so clearly in all that we do. That's why this church doors are open on Sundays. It's to give the hope to those that would come through the doors, not the ones that always come standard and steadily, which we're thankful that you are faithful to the Lord but it's to give an opportunity for each and every one of us to reconnect with the Creator. That's why we also open the doors for prayer times and for midweek services and all the different things we have coming up. It's to have that realization that what God is trying to speak into humanity is a hope that will allow us to that when we go through the troubles of tomorrow, we don't grow weak or weary, but we grow deeper and more in love with the Creator who loves us so much. Those are powerful things to think about as we get ready to dive into the sermon series this morning. Those are a lot of things to to, to really reflect as we get ready to read through the Scripture and ask God, how does this apply to our lives? But more importantly, it's something that should be a daily occurrence. So I want to ask you this morning, just take a second and just tell God, God, I give it all to you. Awaken something else within me. Father God, this morning we just give it all to you. We give you our hearts and we surrender it all to you, Lord, because we trust in you. So Lord, this morning as we get ready to dive into your word and as we get ready to to get experienced into what you were trying to speak into each and every one of our lives, Lord, we ask that you move upon our own lives. Touch us in our most inward beings, Lord, and expose what you need to expose, Lord, and let truths become so much of a percolating thing that comes through your spirit, Lord, that it will change us forever. Because, God, we need you more than ever. Be with us the rest of the service in the church, said. Hey, I like the delayed amens. It's always good. It's good to see each and every one of you this morning. And if you have been with us the last couple of weeks, you know that we are in the book of James going through a a study on that and how it applies to our lives. And if you follow me on social media this week, on Facebook especially, you'll know that the Lord has uh, been messing me up in many ways. As I I have dug through the word and, and, and found some wisdom truths that I truly believe apply to the church more often than it does the world. Say what? Hashtag scripture bomb. My wife liked that one too, Sister Stephanie. And, and, and it's true. 
there are some things that'll just hit you like a sack of bricks when you open the word and it checks you and it makes you become more aware. And the scripture this morning that we're going to go through, it's just like that. It's not for the faint of heart. It's not for just the ones that wanted to go willy-nilly into the night and think that they're okay. But it's one that will highlight truths that will empower the church and each and every one of you to walk with this new sense of confidence and hope. If you have your Bible with you this morning, you'll open up to the first chapter of the book of James because you know it's five chapters long and we've been on the first chapter for 30 weeks now. And I told my wife, I said, I don't know if we'll get out of it this week. But that's just because what James is writing is clear truths that we need to hear. But if you have it with you this morning, if not, and you have a bulletin, it's in the middle part of the bulletin because we want you to be able to have that along with some little fill-in-the-blanks to give you a little bit of something to think about after you leave. But I'll put it up on the screens, and it, and it goes according to this. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Powerful words, right? If I stopped right there, that would be enough to get into. But James didn't even think to stop right there. He continues on when he tells us to, for, uh, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which saves your soul. Lord, touch this sermon. Touch the message. Let it be what you need to be. Lord, Holy Spirit, I ask that you just come through and take over me and let it be the word that needs to edify somebody, whoever it is, whether they're here this morning, watching on the live stream, or even listening to our podcast down the road sometime. God, we ask that you just let it be a word that's relevant for the right now, for the right now moments that we live through to remind us of what we need to go through. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. See, James was truly on to something when we really get into it. He's reminding us that there is some human natures that still flare up in the church. These human mannerisms that take root because we all are ingrained with them. It's like when I look out at the crowd, I know that everybody in this room has skin. Most of us have hair. Sometimes it's not on the top of our head. Sometimes it's other places. And we all have fingers and toes and things like that around. We all look similar. And because of that similarity, we know that there's something within this flesh that goes even deeper. And the sad truth is it's human mannerisms that we need to hold on to. You see, I like the fact that when James is telling the church that he's writing to, the, the, the church that spread across all of the Roman Empire and lost everywhere, that they have to check something within them. Because scientifically, we have this innate ability for reaction. In fact, scientists have studied human reactions. Go figure. Because, you know, scientists like to study everything, right? Participation is great. Come on, speak to me. Come on. What? I heard a yes, Julia. At least my daughter answers me. 
the fun part was Julie was the whole topic of the sermon last week and she wasn't even here. So, <laughs> But science has, scientists have done the research. They've looked at the reactionary exposures of what humanity has within us. And it says the average reaction time for us is for a visual stimulation, it goes to 0.25 seconds for you to see something and react to it. So when you're driving down the road and you see the car in front of you slam on the brakes, it takes 0.25 seconds for you to react, to put your foot on the brake, and to recall the next steps as you go through. Isn't that an interesting factoid? So next time you realize it, that's why you don't need to follow so close to the person in front of you. Young ones, as you get ready to get your license, do not follow that close because you have 0.25 seconds before the break, and that break still takes time to engage. A little bit of wisdom in all those aspects. But it's even more interesting because according to the scientific research on the reactionary time, it takes 0.17 seconds for an audio stimulation to get a response. I think it's interesting that our eyes, which we often attribute to be the best way to examine things, is the one that gives us a slower response. It takes 0.17 seconds to sit there and respond back. But it even gets worse than that. Because 0.15 seconds is a physical touch stimuli that will cause a reaction. There's a reason why I say we're all touchy a little bit, right? There's a reason when you get touched in the middle of the night and you jump out of your skin, it seems like it took no time at all. But it also shows the importance that we have to recall, if you'll put your hand down, uh, May. We'll, I'll talk to you afterwards if any questions you have, sweetie. But the truth is, we all have to recall that we have this design that God had put into us where on the side of our heads we have these things called ears. And in between it we have this thing called a brain. And in that process we have to realize it takes time for the ears to hear it and your brain to process it. But at the same side of the other coin that we live in, it's not how it always works. Let me be honest. In my household, we know that we have lots of kids. If you've never met me, I have five daughters. And in my house, I know each and every one of the kids when they're coming down the steps, according to the sounds of their footprints as they creep down the steps. More importantly, I can tell which one's pattering in my room when I'm still in bed and refuse to open my eyes. But that just shows the inclination of what it takes to process what we hear. It's like you process dinner's ready and you immediately know, oh, something salivating is going to happen and something enjoyable is going to hit your stomach and you're not going to be hungry any longer. When you hear your favorite song, what's your immediate reaction? You sing it. And that's a powerful reaction. But I want to bring to the attention that God knows more about each and every one of us than we want to let on. You see, our hearing from each and every one of us is an important aspect of who we are, and it was designed in us by God to give us the understanding of greater aspects of this overall creation. If God didn't design you to have a hearing aspect, he wouldn't have given you the ears. And I know some of us have trouble because as we get older, we have to have devices in our ears to allow us to hear more clearly, and that's fine. 
but we were designed to be able to hear, and we've walked in and lived in this world where we have to be able to hear and all these aspects, because there's truth in the hearing, because of the reactionary time that God has designed in each and every one of us. But we struggle to do that so often. You see, if I were to ask you, how many of you have been in a conversation where someone is talking, and your initial response is to interact and interject in the conversation before they finish it? How many of you would say, I've done that? Hands are great. I see hands more than head nods. But it's true. The other day I was having a conversation with my wife. She was telling me about her day, and I said, oh, I have a fix for this, before she even could finish her thought. And I get that look of dread and anger and hostility. And it comes through it. Because so often we react and respond in manners and forms where we do not allow for wisdom to come through. And that's why James's words are so powerful for the church today. For each and every one of us today. When he tells us to be quick to hear and slow to speak. And slow to anger. You see, James is trying to teach us a proverb that we need to have. You know, Proverbs, the thing that Jesus spoke to all of his disciples in all of the world. He was trying to teach them a little bit of nugget of wisdom with an interaction of a truth, with, uh, with the imagination of oh, mocking greater. You see, this truth that James is really trying to interact with is a world viewpoint that needs to get changed. Because when I look at the world today, what, and then even in the churches today, what I see is the world's influenced it more than ever. The world has influenced the church so much so that we don't look like what God has actually called us to do. Because something has happened within it. And we need to take the self-evaluation to ask the questions, what has happened? You see, in James this time, he was looking at a church, writing these letters, knowing good and well that there were Pharisees and Sadducees trying to interject and everything that was being done in the name of Christ Jesus. And all that did was perpetuate a world of hostility and a world where they wanted to shut down the conversation more and more. Sadly, if we look at the world today, that seems like the same hostility that was being done because of the good news is still being done with any kind of attitude or, or, or objectiveness to someone's own self-ideal of reality. That's because we live in a world that is so stressed out, so, so all over the place that it looks like that we're backing a dog into the corner, if you know what I mean. You never heard that analogy. What it means is you put a dog in a place where it's stressed out and confined, and its initial response will always be to bite whatever it needs to to get out of the situation. We've had that happen to the church. We've had that happen to humanity. We've had that happen to people that have come into the church. What I'm saying is we look the same. Because we haven't listened to the proverb that James was really trying to allude to, to how humanity, how the church is to respond with humanity. And that's always going to come through our desire not to always be the first one to respond. 
You see, I kind of find it interesting. Because what science really says is that our response time with an auditory response is 1.5 seconds. But in reality, when we get into the scientificness, our initial response to somebody talking to us occurs way too fast. Point, what was it? 0.02 seconds of a millisecond for the process to already hit your ears and go through your mouth. And that often happens because we respond in a reactionary moment where the words are not processed in our minds. To put it another way, I'm having a conversation with somebody. They say something of a concern to them. And, my, and your response would be, oh, no, I didn't. How do you know what you've even got? You haven't got to the finish. You felt that you were getting backed into a corner because you weren't willing to listen. You weren't willing to process with what's going on. There's a reason why we have these terms called react and respond. A reaction is the immediate, unthought processed moment of what you do. A response is where you calculate where you're going with it. And what James was highlighting and alluding to that we need to as a church and a human being that's sold out for God is to do the response method. What does that look like? How does that look through in everything that we have? Well, in a world that wants to constantly try to silence you for your opinions that are contrary to what they think is right, it doesn't look like what we've seen the church do for the years. You know what I'm talking about. You've heard the stories where the guy's standing on the corner saying, you're all going to hell. You're all a bunch of sinners. You're all this. You're all that. You're all, you're all a lost bunch of group of people that don't even need to come in. It does not look like that. Because that's a reactionary response to what has happened in the church. I'm sorry, that's where the world has influenced it a little bit too much, Brother Jim. It's where the world has influenced the church to allow humanity to take over over the Spirit of God and His wisdom and His truth. You see, for too long, I've seen churches, and I don't say it's this one. But even today, you can look online and you can find churches that have taken this out of context because they've not let the wisdom take root into their hearts and their minds and ask God, God, what are you speaking? Instead, they're asking God, how can I get more power and authority for myself? And it's caused so much tarnish and so much damage onto the church because they weren't taking the words that James was writing with that understanding of truth in them. When it says to be slow to speak, but quick to listen. So I have to ask, have you ever done that yourself, where you're quick to respond and slow to listen? You know, put your ears in your, in your, your fingers in your, say, la, 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 I don't want to hear this. Let me say, I'll just, I'll throw myself under the bus already. I've done it before. I probably did it last week with my wife when she was telling me a complaint about what something I was doing. And I looked at her and said, I don't want to hear it. I'm going to call a spade a spade. <laughs> I'm a mess working myself towards the, the proper things of God. And if I can't admit to it, then what could I expect you to do it? 
But what I'm trying to get at is we have to learn to take what this word is saying and listen to it with the intentionality to ask, God, what are you trying to speak to me? And what James is really trying to highlight through the Holy Spirit is the fact that, that we're called to be different. We're called to be completely contrary to the world in many ways. Because the truth is, I love when technology messes up. Technology's great until it messes up, right, people? Well, at least I got an amen. Because the truth is, the church can only speak what it hears. What do you mean, Pastor Stephen? What I'm meaning is, if the church is only listening to the world, it's only going to speak what the world says. If the church is only listening to what's on CNN and Fox News and all the doom and gloom on every single TV news network, that's all we're going to speak. If all we're going to look at is what the world says the church is supposed to be like, and yet we don't fall in line with that, and we start speaking what they want us to say, guess what good we are? Nothing. But here's the truth that we have to really hold on to. The church can only speak what it hears, and what it hears is so vital and so important in all that we are and all that we do. There's a reason that we have the Word of God where we can hold on to it and we can listen to the Word as it's spoken out loud, where we can listen to the Holy Spirit as He ministers this to us and allows us to be quick to hear it. But the church has fallen asleep in many ways where they don't open the pages. They don't listen to the word. There have been a lot of people, some people might even be in this room sometimes, where they come in and think that they can hear a message and walk away and totally fine, but they did not have the inclination to go and say, how can I listen to this with more intentionality? See, that's got to be the heart that we're walking through, is the intentionality to ask God, speak. God, tell me which way I could go. Tell me how to walk, how to live, how to have it, how to listen with the intentionality to derive the information that is vital in all that we are doing. I mean, we spend more time listening to the phone and it's GPS telling us how to get in directions so we don't get lost. then we do the directions that this gives us that allows us to walk this life completely wholeheartedly without error. Where we can live this life with knowing that our anger is not going to root up every single time that something happens that's catastrophe and, and it's catastrophic. You see, what James is trying to get us to be aware of, church, is that if we're called to be the vessel that speaks his truth, we have to be willing to hear it, to apply it, and allow it to be the beacon for others to do the same. And it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. But it's so vital that we are able to. It's like the struggle that we incur. It's like it never happened before, right? You ever had that feeling? Oh, nobody else has the struggles that I deal with about listening to what God is saying. Let me tell you, 
Jesus had one of his closest friends do the exact same thing. Think about the Apostle Peter. He loved Jesus with everything he had. He listened so intently. But the second something happened that he did not like, he, he, he just threw down. He said, no. In Matthew chapter 16, we see that it says from the time Jesus began to show the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and he must suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. And he must be killed and he must be raised on the third day from the death. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, that this shall ever happen to you. You see... We struggle with the same nature that Peter did back 2,000 some years ago. We struggle with the same mentality of, of this struggle of this flesh because we're not willing to listen intently. We would rather listen to the, the news that makes us feel more comfortable. That's why we don't want to go to doctors. We'd rather WebMD it. Oh, I got a cough. Oh, no. WebMD says I have cancer. Oh, I got a cough today. Oh, no, no, it's bronchitis, and, and, and it's got tuberculosis mixed into it. Oh, that sounds so right. But what God is trying to tell the church is that we have to be so dissatisfied with what the things of this world are that we listen to his truth with an innate ability to process it. So that way we can be the voice that speaks so clearly. So that way we can be what God has called us to be. But that also comes through the fact that we are called to test everything. According to 1 Thessalonians 5 and 21, we are to test everything with the intentionality to know that not everything that is spoken in this world is truth. That's the struggle that we all go through. That's the struggle that we all keep going on to because we want to do the same thing over again. And if it sounds appeasing to the ears, we love it. That's not the case that we are supposed to walk. Have you ever had somebody come up and say, the Lord told me that this is going to happen to you? And you listen to it and you're like, okay. That sounds good. And you go and take it to the bank and think that it's right. Scripture reminds us that we're supposed to test everything that comes through according to the word, every prophecy, every bit of word that goes into you. And if it does not fall in line to the word and that way we don't hear it, then we don't speak it. I've had people come up to me and say, the Lord gave me a word for you that you were going to do this, this, and this. And I said, really, that sounds good, but it doesn't sound like the word. So how, the Lord, how is the Lord going to be contrary and, and go against what his word is? He won't. So I have to speak to it. But it also comes through the understanding that we have to be willing to be truthful with ourselves. It's like the other day. I had a conversation with somebody. They came at me with a way of saying things, and I looked at them, and I did not respond to them. I didn't even react to them. I listened to what they said. Thought about it. And then I wrote an email. Because sometimes it's easier to go through email when it's in that situation that I'm in. And I said, excuse me. Thank you for bringing the things to your t my attention but there's something that I had in against you. And the word of God says that if there's an issue that I see sin in your life and I need to bring it to your attention, I need to bring it to your attention. 
and I wrote out an email, and I said, this is what I see. I see that you're going this route, the words you chose to use against me to try to make me sound smaller than what I am because you're in a place of authority. You're walking a fine line using Scripture, using ways to try to build the person up and not to tear them down. Try to make them right again with the Lord because the intentionality is never to be greater than anybody else. I see... What I keep struggling with is that the church for so long has been so confrontational that we forget the impact of what Jesus did. I've read through the Bible. I went through the page by page meticulously going, who did Jesus go and have confrontations with the most? It wasn't the bystanders on the side of the road. It wasn't the meek. It wasn't the broken. It wasn't the dysfunctional. It wasn't the outcast. It wasn't any of the ones that were so desperate and so hungry. But it was always the church. Because what they were speaking was not the message that God had given them, but it was a message of of, of superiority over everybody else and a message thinking that their stuff didn't smell good enough to be around them. You see, what I'm trying to get at is if James is trying to tell the church and God's speaking through, through his, James himself and he's trying to say it's time to be a little quick to listen and a little slower to speak and a little less anger in the way we go through things, then how do we do that in our society today? It's in the same mannerism that I would have to do with the email I wrote. It's the same mannerism when Jesus would look around at people saying, I see you're broken, let me help you. It's like if whoever walks through the door of this church, I don't care what they've been through. I don't care how bad they smell. I don't care what they look like or what their lifestyle is. I want them into a place where the Holy Spirit can allow them to become quick to hear, like we all are supposed to. To hear the truth. That if God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that he would come in the form of flesh and endure all that we deal with, all the depravity of humanity, all of the reactionary instincts that we all have. And yet he chose to not hold on to those natures and those mannerisms. But he was so slow to speak and so slow to react but he was so quick to listen with a soft rebuke of truth on everyone that would be contrary to the word of God. The Beatitudes say, blessed are the broken, blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor, blessed are the downtrodden. It didn't say blessed are the high and mighty and the all-righteousness. We need to hold on to that a little bit more sometimes each and every day when we ask God to come into our lives. Ask God to come in and speak. You see, prayer is a powerful thing that can transform each and every one of our lives. But it comes through that desire to be quick to hear. Yes, Lord, your servant is speaking, or your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, to me so I can grow. See, the things that I've learned in this world is that winning an argument is not always the best thing. In fact, it's often the opposite thing. 
that the church is being told to do. If we only live our lives with the next fight that's in mind that we can win against the world, then we've lost the battle. We've lost the war. Because we're all called to live a life that's in pursuit, to disciple, to win the lost, and to see the captive set free. That means that you might have to talk to others that you might not like to. And believe me, I know what that feels like. It also means that you might have to go and talk to them and tell them that you love them, and it might seem awkward and discomforting. But you tell them that you love them like Christ loved them and explain that what Christ has done for you because you have listened to the message and let it take ingrain in your heart. Because only then can you speak life into them. I have never met a person that has ever received the gospel through hate. I've always seen them receive the gospel of hope and love and everything through the aspect and the desire to see somebody lifted up in love. But in a world today where we live, where everybody thinks they're right in their own eyes, and that if they don't like what you said, then they shut you down, still doesn't mean that we have to say they're right. But we have to admit to the truth that they are loved. Bible didn't say he only loved the righteous ones. He didn't love you just because you came to church on Sunday. He said he came that all might be saved because he loved them. We as believers know something is different within the world because of what we've seen God do through our own lives. And that truth, it is truly the self-centralized fact of God's desire to see humanity go from its sinful nature. But that also means for believers that even though the world might look different, sometimes we got to wade into it and get into it and speak the words that God is already speaking to us to give us the ability to speak life into them. Not with a selfish ambition, not with a desire to make more, more people and get the church to grow. As much as I'm thankful as this church has grown over the years, what I'm more thankful for is to see the lives of each and every one of you that have been through this church to be walked away transformed even further by his power as the Holy Spirit moves in and through each and every one of us. But I think it's interesting. I see the time and I know where we're at and I'm not going to finish this message at all, Sister Amy. I told Melissa, I said, I had way too many words already wrote out and way too many topics and points, so we'll do a part two. And that's okay. It's always a nugget for another day, right, Brother Bill? But the truth is, what James is trying to highlight to us, each and every one of us, is that this right here has the power to do something right here. See, James alluded to it when he said there's an implanted word. That implanted word comes from the Greek word. I'll put it up on the screen because I'm horrible with it too. Imputos. And it means an innate or an implantedness in us. 
What that means is if this can open up something right here, there's an implanted word that has to come through here, but there's an also an innate feature within each and every one of us. You see, when the Bible says that he created all of everything and he said on the, when he, on the seventh day everything was good, there's something within us that's still good in all humanity. And we're trying to unlock it each and every single day. But the problem with humanity is we are slow to listen. You want to think that we get all right because of something that God has done, which is truly radical, and he just changed you. No, God has opened up a new life within you. You look the same. You act the same in some ways. You have new mannerisms, but there's something different about you because it's a whole new life because that whole peace that's been innate within you has been brought back fully within you. You see, that comes through hearing quickly everything that God speaks. It comes through hearing everything that God wants to give you, the life that you can enjoy, the, the, the power of his Holy Spirit as he's trying to waken something up within you. It's an innate ability that God has built within you. But it has to be implanted. It has to be implanted every single day of your life as you live. That's why we always will encourage you each and every single day. Read your word. That's why in the bulletin you have the, 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 the lineup for what you're supposed to be reading according to the year-long Bible plan with questions to engage you, with, with highlights. Sometimes I don't care. Hit me up if you have questions within that because what it is so important is your word is what speaks life into you. The Holy Spirit activates it, but it comes through the quickness of your desire to hear. And let me tell you, I keep saying, let me tell you, because there's something within me that's stirring so deeply. It's going to cut. It's going to hurt, and you're going to say, I can't read this. God, I can't be exposed to this. It's going to get to a point where you're going to get angry because it's calling you out for things that you know that's not right. None of us like to be called out. You're not supposed to be doing that. What? That's a sin, God? Yeah, that's a sin. Oh! You see, what it's trying to do is it's trying to tell you, listen intently and let it be the thing that implies into your life to make you who God designed you to. I can recall the day that I got my first Bible. I was seven. Let me be honest with you. I couldn't read a word out of it. It was the King James. I was like, I don't speak this kind of English. I don't know what this is, Sister Amy. It wasn't until somebody handed me a New King James Bible. And I started going, okay, this makes sense. It wasn't until I started expanding my, my knowledge, realizing it's not written in English, it was written in Greek and, and Aramaic and, and, and Hebrew. And all those things and all those languages that were written in here, and we're just translating it. And I was like, okay, ESV, oh, this is powerful. Oh, the Message Bible, all oh, powerful. Oh, Holman Standard Christian Bible, all oh, powerful. American Standard. Let me tell you, there's more abbreviations for different types of translations of the Bible than you'd ever know. But they all unlock the potential because the root word that needs to be quick to hear is there. If you'll stand with me this morning. It all comes back to this. 
the church can only speak what it hears. And we can only hear what we want to hear. So I have to ask each and every one of you, have you been hearing the word of God in your life or have you been hearing the world more? Has your focus been on God's plan for your life or has it been on your own plan? See, those are questions that we need to ask. And questions are great because they open up the potential for God to speak so loudly and so boldly and so clearly into your life if you'll let him. But it all comes through the decision to say, Lord, your servant is speaking, speak. Or your servant is listening, speak. And it all comes through the intentionality of listening. So I want to ask each and every one of you as we get ready to dismiss, will you be declared to say, Lord, I'm going to listen to whatever you want to say. Speak. Lord, whatever you want to tell me to do, speak. I'm listening with the intentionality and the quickness where I will not respond or react in the manner, but I will listen to let it become something implanted within me so that it can change me and make me different. Because only then can we see the, the, the living life that the word says that we can have, where, where James says that it has the ability to save our very souls. Only then can we have that hope. But it comes through that. Let us go ahead and bow our heads and pray this morning. Father God, Lord, I thank you for who you are, Lord. Holy Spirit, I praise you for what you've done. I thank you for the word that you've spoke this morning. And Lord, I'm thankful that you, you, Jesus, used your half-brother to give this message because it gives such a powerful implication in all that we do and all that we are. Because we know that in order to have the greater life, to have that ability to save our souls, Lord, we can't do it on our own. But we have to do it through you and you alone. We have to do it through your words that you speak. So, Lord, right now, this week, we want to ask that you speak to each and every one of us. Lord, we want to ask that you just go through each and every one of us and give us the words that we need to hear so that we can have life and life more abundantly, so that we can have hope and hope greater, Lord, in every single day. But, Lord, so that we can also have faith that moves mountains. That when the enemy wants to come through the world and try to mess us up and derail us and cause us to have difficulties and trials, that we'll stand up to the snuff test, Lord, and we'll get through this all, where we'll get through each and every single day of our life, Lord, where we can have that hope. But Lord, strengthen us. Speak to us. Move within us and mold within us something new to allow us to be the new life and the new creature. Be with us, Lord, and we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. And the church said, Church, I love each and every one of you. And I want to encourage you right now, don't be harsh on the ones that are not here this morning, but go love them. Reach out to them. I got a list of them already just to go and just say, hey, we love you, we miss you. But go and love your neighbor as yourself, as you love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. And go and be the church. Hope to see you all again next week. Go. Love you guys.